Lamar. Winning lottery numbers coming up. I'm gonna switch it up for y'all a little bit. Get grown. You know why? Huh? It's hurricane season. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Surge, surge. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast. We've got a special edition here uh, in light of the news, uh, Thursday's news of Ed Reed being hired as the new chief of staff by Manny Diaz. Sort of a surprising move. My producer, Mike Zimmerman, is here to discuss the subject. Uh, it's been a busy sort of uh, 24, 48 hours here for Manny Diaz again. And it's funny, I, I was down on campus, Mike, on Monday night. Somebody texted me. I was speaking to a class at the University of Miami uh, about journalism and what it's like to be a beat writer. It's sort of an introductory class for some of these young sports writers. And somebody texted me saying, oh, did you know Ed Reed was on campus? He's, he, I heard he's having dinner with Blake James. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Well. Uh, maybe uh, he's just hanging out with uh, with Blake James, the athletic director at Miami. Maybe he's just, you know, doing his usual visits because Ed Reed is on campus frequently. Um, comes down, you know, I would say every few months. And uh, didn't think anything of it as far as the chief of staff job. And then, of course, uh, yesterday afternoon, I get a message from somebody at UM and says, hey, there's going to be some news in an hour. Sure enough, press release comes out. It's Ed Reed being hired as chief of staff. And I'm wondering, Mike, as a football fan, your initial reaction to that news, because I know Ed Reed, where he sort of sits uh, on the totem pole of great players at Miami is very near the top. Uh, I'm wondering what you're thinking about him being hired as the chief of staff. So uh, within the first 10 minutes of hearing the news, I kind of had three different reactions. Initially, I was I was shocked, um, you know, because we had mentioned this actually before we recorded the podcast earlier in the week that you know everyone's saying Ed Reed was on campus and we were saying well yeah the Super Bowl is in Miami you know he, right. he's just down there visiting and whatnot and then I you know and then I was excited you know glad to see a hurricane legend back uh part of the program again and then I got into more like more deep thinking like okay is he actually going to be good at this position uh, you know what are his responsibilities sort of going into detail on okay now what does this all mean and, um, you know, at, at this point, I think it's unknown because, you know, we know what kind of player he was, you know, Hall of Fame player, greatest safety of all time. Does that necessarily translate into a good chief of staff? And, and I think we'll dive into, you know, what his responsibilities are and whether or not he has the experience um, to, to really succeed in, in, in a chief of staff position. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, what what is what, what what really are his responsibilities? And according to this press release that we got from from the University of Miami, I'm going to read uh, what the uh, description is. But essentially, according to the press release, Reed, who's 41 years old, will serve in an advisory role to Diaz in all aspects of the football program, including strategic planning, quality control, operations, player evaluation, and player development. He will also provide assistance in team building, student athlete mentorship and recruiting as permissible under NCAA rules. Well, number one, I'm going to explain this to to the listeners. The only coaches who are allowed to recruit off campus, according to NCAA rules, okay, are the 10 assistant coaches, okay, and the head coach, obviously. Um, Anybody else who is on staff um, can only interact, I guess, with recruits, I think, through text message or social media, meaning there's people in the recruiting department, 
like Edwin Pata and Demarcus Van Dyke and Coach Cooney. Um, those are the guys who basically deal with recruits all the time. Now, I know from my conversations with Alonzo Highsmith and with other people around the program, when Alonzo's name was being floated around as far as the recruiting aspect is concerned, um, everybody was looking at it like, well, this is going to be great. Alonzo Highsmith is going to be able to bond with the parents. He's going to be able to talk to the kids when they come on campus. So I imagine that really this position is sort of an ambassador type role for the University of Miami. Maybe Ed Reed can't go to Northwestern. Uh, high or to wherever to go recruit a player um, because the NCAA rules only allow coaches to do that, but certainly going to be in the mix, certainly going to be around, and I would imagine certainly available uh, as far as parents and kids when they come on campus and somebody who I think would be a great influence in that capacity because, let's face it, um, University of Miami, and I've written about this many times, it's actually in my article today, in my column that I wrote yesterday, came out online after Ed was hired, um, he's going to be the most recognizable face on this on this coaching staff. He's the guy who's the Hall of Famer, you know, he's the guy who everybody recognizes. So I think in that regard, that's probably a lot of where this comes from, from Manny Diaz. Uh, I mean, look, Alonzo Highsmith was another recognizable name, but um, I would say Ed Reed is far more up the up the chain when it comes to to recognition. Now, the question is, and we don't know the answer to this because we weren't in, in in meetings, and I didn't get a chance to talk to Ed, and Ed really hasn't come out and spoken. But the question is, how involved is he really going to be? Uh, you know, in day to day operations, is he going to be? Is he? Li- he's going to be living in Miami all the time. Is he going to be um, on campus every single day? I mean, those things we don't know. I can tell you that in sports. Uh, people that are in these kind of positions in, in the, up the professional chain, uh, you know, special advisors, etc., people who are who are you know around to sort of assist, they're not always um, at the job every single day. You know, they, they they go home to wherever they live. Or so I, I think you know we have to see if Ed's really going to be here seven days a week at Miami and and right on Manny Diaz's shoulder. But look, I had a long conversation last night with Kelvin Harris. Uh, about the wide receiver coach position. This was another topic we touched on. Kelvin's very well connected to former players, which is why we love having him on the show. But I asked Kelvin, I said, what do you think Ed's really going to do here? What What's Ed's motivation to take this job besides the fact that I'm sure he's going to get paid pretty well and this is another f- paycheck? Um, and his feeling is that Ed really wants to get into um, – coaching or management in the NFL and this is sort of the perfect springboard for him now his experience I think he was with either the Bills or the Jets as an assistant I, coach I believe a couple he was years with the, ago he was with the Bills I believe under Rex Ryan when, where, there you when go. Rex Ryan was the head coach there that's why I was thinking the Jets and I know he also played uh, for the Jets mm-hmm. uh, at the at the end of his career but I couldn't remember if he got into the coaching initially with the Jets and then went on to the Bills you're right it was with the Bills and so Ed has coached, um, you know, a few of these Under Armour All-American games. He's been involved with that. He was the head coach this past year for one of the teams against Deion Sanders. So Ed's interest is there. But again, as I've mentioned before, you always wonder how committed these star athletes really are to getting into this profession. Because it's one thing to say, hey, I want to get into coaching. I want to get involved in helping a university out, helping my university out. Um, but you don't know once they get into it. You know, how committed they're really going to be. I mean, Kelvin's brought this up on the podcast before. You know, Bryant McKinney 
wants to help the University of Miami out, especially the offensive lineman, him and Brett Romberg. They're very, you know, committed to the university. They want to see it succeed. They want to be around to help that offensive line. The question is, are they going to be there seven days a week? You know, how, how, how deep is your commitment? And I think with Ed Reed being hired, I would imagine that this is a full-time commitment from him. But yeah, again, we I, don't know the specifics. I mean, you know, we see, you know, Ed Reed's lifestyle sort of all over social media. He's He's all over the country, you know, talking with new people. It's kind of, yeah, it's it's a good point that is he going to be on campus seven days a week? Is he going to be living in Miami? Because if he's not, then then what could he possibly do in a chief of staff role if you're not around the program, you know? I, I feel like if he were to accept this position, he would have to be uh, on campus and living in Miami. Otherwise... How effective can you be doing this sort of job if you're not around the program? Right. And, and Manny, look, let's not forget here what Manny Diaz wanted with this job, and Blake James has gone on record talking about it. They they, they wanted this position to be filled. They wanted a chief of staff. Now, the debate was how much power is a guy like this going to have? It's pretty obvious, I think, from the description I gave earlier, that this guy is working under the head coach, not above him in a general manager-type role. So let's get that clear right off the bat. Uh, and I know a lot of Miami fans are disappointed about that because they feel like Manny Diaz isn't capable of being maybe the head coach. Uh, and they want somebody to have some power between him and Blake James and to have some real influence. Now, I, look, I get it. You, you know, there's some disappointments in their first year, but we've talked about this on the podcast before. If Manny Diaz isn't going to have all the power, he shouldn't be the head coach. And, and, and you know, uh, Kelvin and I agreed on that. I think you sort of agree on that as well. You, you know, what's the point of having somebody sort of serving as an overlord over the head football coach? That said, I still think there are a lot of ways that Ed Reed can help this program. Now, he's yes, he doesn't have any, you know, real experience in administration or any real, you know, real head coaching or assistant coaching sort of experience. Well, he's not going to be coaching in this capacity. But that doesn't mean if if you know, at least the way that I'm reading the job, that he will not have some influence uh, on the program by being around and being fully committed to this job. Um, you know, there, and I talked about a lot of this stuff in my column. You know, I, I think one of the biggest problems Miami has is, especially in today's day and age, okay, um, I, I think there's a lot of player entitlement. I think a lot of kids come to the program thinking that, hey, I'm at Miami, all I got to do is work out really hard and listen to the coaches and I'm going to be a great player. The number one thing you hear from former players that bother them about the current generation of Hurricane players is they say they're not as committed as we are. They're, they don't put in all the film study. They don't play with the kind of passion that we play with. And I, on Wednesday night, they filmed the reunion special. I want to get into that as well. Um, and I got a behind-the-scenes pass. I was there uh, along with Andre Fernandez from The Athletic. Uh, we were actually sitting three rows back of Ray Lewis um, for the 75-minute special. And, you know, we listened to these guys talk about why they fell in love with Miami, uh, why they signed with the U, what, they, what their favorite parts of being at Miami were, the competition on Green Tree practice field, the way that they would, you know, battle and practice was far far tougher than anything they ever did in a game. Um and just their passion and love, you know, for the coaching staff, how much they admire the coaching staff, the great coaches that came through Miami, and why things were so special at Miami from 1983 to 2001, you know, when, you know, over basically a 25-year span, this program produced a boatload of first-round picks, a boatload of uh, 
you know, pro bowlers and, you know, six Hall of Famers. And, you know, it was really special what they had. Then it was it was really cool to sit in the audience and just sort of take it all in uh, amongst Hurricanes fans and to see the guys there. It was really a cool sort of experience for me. Um, you know, I wasn't just sitting there writing notes the whole time. I was actually soaking in in everything that they were saying. And, you know, the one thing I gathered from from, from just listening to Ed talk before knowing he was going to get this job is all four of those guys really care about where the university is. And, and they care that it's been a while since they've, these guys have been relevant and, and really won. And, and if Ed's going to come to this job with the kind of passion that he displayed Wednesday night, it's going to be a positive influence because, you know, covering this team, going all 13 games, being on the road with them, you know, I, they allow the, the riders to come down to the field for the final five minutes of the game. And so you, you, you get an, an opportunity to sort of watch body language, study the players. You know, I go straight to the Miami sideline and I sit there and I just watch the players. What are, they, what are the players on the sideline doing? And in my mind, I think of the University of Miami and I think about the Ray Lewis's, the Ed Reed's, uh, the Michael Irvin's and those fiery speeches, right? All those great video clips that we have online now of these guys sort of leading the charge and screaming at their teammates, like, come on, we got to get it together. This is the you, baby. We got to win. You know, we got to. And being on the sideline for the last two years covering this team again, I don't see any of that fire. I don't see any of that passion. I don't see any of that burn inside the guys. And outside of maybe a DJ Dallas or Shaq Quarterman, you know, guys who were sort of the big on-the-field leaders, you didn't see a lot of that. And I think having Ed Reed around, on a full-time basis in this chief of staff position, he's going to scream at guys. He's going he's gonna to try to influence them and get them to listen to the message of, hey, we got to play with more passion. We got to play with more intensity. We got to practice with more intensity. You guys got to come in here when, you, when, you, you know, when you're basically at home playing video games. Come in here and study video, uh, video film, highlights, uh, things that you need to study to prepare. And, and so, you know, look, Manny Diaz, he's at a point right now, man. Look, they're six and seven. They've they've lost sixteen out of their last twenty nine games at the U. Um, they lost to freaking FIU. Things are so bad. I think there's hiring Ed Reed. There's nothing wrong with that. And I know a lot of people are on Twitter saying, "What's the point? He's not going to have any power." You know, what does Ed know about football? If you're Manny Diaz, this hire is made because you're really trying to get the point across to the players that you have to play a different way at the University of Miami than the way you've been playing for some time now. If you're going to eradicate the disease, what better injection of life is there than somebody like Ed Reed? Yeah, it, it it's attitude and it's accountability. And I think that's what, you know, Ed Reed certainly brings to the table. I think that, I, th- I think Manny Diaz wanted to sort of I guess remind these guys and and the entire program what what you're supposed to act like as a Miami Hurricane, or, you know, not even as a Miami Hurricane, as a college football player. You're supposed to dedicate yourself to this game, to this program, to this university, and you know we haven't seen that in I can't even remember for how long, probably since 2003, 2004, when it really seemed like the players actually cared. Now it seems like the fans care more than the players. Um, now that's just from an outside perspective, you know, and it's just an opinion that's not, it's not true, but I think bringing Ed Reed in, he will remind these players and sort of drill it into their heads that being good isn't good enough, you know, 
if you want to be the best, you need to work harder than everybody else in the entire country. You need to work after practice is over. You need to, you know, we heard about the stories about Michael Irvin running, uh, running the hill with a weighted vest, you know, after practice in the middle of August. You know, we need that kind of attitude back. I think that's what Manny Diaz is trying to bring with Ed Reed coming back as chief of staff. Yeah, it's exactly what he's trying to do. He's trying to basically bring the example of, of greatness into the building because, you know, you look you look at the coaching staff. I mean, look, a lot of these guys played college ball or were, you know, sort of involved in it, you know, at the at least at the very at the high school level, at the very basic levels. But, you know, a guy like Ed Reed, I mean, he walks in the door. It's different. It's different than anything else you've got on this coaching staff. I mean, look, Mike Rump was a first round pick. He's a Super Bowl winner, but I, I don't want to say that that Mike carries the same weight as Ed Reed. I mean, there's no way. Even though Mike won a national championship at Miami and his name is up on the wall, it's different when Ed Reed comes in and, and says something. And 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 Mike is a great coach. I think he's a great tactician. Um, you know, does he enjoy recruiting? I don't know that he enjoys that aspect of it. But Mike is there because he got into coaching and he loves coaching and he loves helping players get better. But it's different when Ed Reed delivers that message compared to Mike Rumpf. And and I, and I would say the other thing is, you know, with Mike being around so, so long, I don't want to say the message gets stale, but certainly, um, you know, when you're part of a program that struggles and loses, I think kids start looking at the coaching staff and they say, whoa, I mean, look, they're, they're coaching us, but are they really great at it? I think this is another way to, to bring in a different voice that maybe resonates in a different way than the current coaches are saying it, or, or maybe it sort of backs up their message. You know, when Ed Reed all of a sudden starts screaming, hey, Coach Rumpf is telling you the right thing, or Coach Rumpf is expressing to you, hey, this is what you need to do in coverage, now all of a sudden the kids are like, well, wait a minute. If the Hall of Fame guy is saying the same thing as my coach, why am I, why am I not listening to him? And that's just what my point is. My point is, it's it, Ed Reed is coming in to back up and to echo Manny Diaz's message to these guys and to deliver it every single day. Absolutely. Now, so we've got, we we asked Twitter for a few questions. Um, there's actually a few good ones here. I'll, I'll, I'll throw some out at you and 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 get your take on uh, Franklin Saint on Twitter asks, how involved will Ed Reed be? Um, with the players during practice and the games, you know, will he will he essentially be uh, an extra coach, or will he just be you know overseeing everything and then you know maybe give a few words here and there, but not necessarily be part of the actual staff during practice and games? Well, I, I can tell you from from at least being around practices for the first fifteen minutes because they don't allow us to be there for the whole thing, right? We get fifteen minute windows basically when these guys are stretching and doing sort of light drills. Um, I can tell you there's a lot of people out at practice besides um, the coaching staff, okay? You'll have the recruiting department guys out there. Blake James occasionally will be out there. Administrators will be out there. Again, Miami hired Todd Stroud, the defensive line coach, to be the chief of staff last year. Then he had to move into the defensive line coach position after uh, Coach Simpson returned to the Atlanta Falcons. So, um, we didn't really get a chance to see what a chief of staff does because it, it, it was all sort of um, done and gone. You know, Coach Simpson was gone, and then Stroud was the defensive line coach. So you didn't get to really see Stroud act as the chief of staff. But I would imagine that anything on campus, yes, they can be involved. How much coaching can they do? I mean, look, I, I think Ed Reed has to sort of let the guys – 
coach, right? You have you have position coaches. Let them do their job. But that doesn't mean Ed Reed doesn't go to those position coaches and have meetings and isn't involved in the meetings and, and tell them, hey, I saw this today. I saw players doing this today or I saw – uh, you guys coaching this this way, or what if we what if we did it this way? I think that's what his his role is. His role is to basically be the, an overseer, sort of while Manny Diaz and these guys are running practice to see and watch what's going on, and to immediately share his thoughts. Now, is he going to get in there and physically coach guys? I I don't think so. I don't think he's allowed to do that. That doesn't mean he's not having an influence on it, and that's basically what special advisors and and you know every one of these pro college programs nowadays has a chief of staff who plays a role and does things now that job changes okay some of it is paperwork it allows the head coach to do more of the coaching and the guy who who has the chief of staff position does the paperwork so the head coach doesn't have to worry about it um i, I again i don't know specifically everything that ed is going to be doing we specifically don't know how many days a week he's going to be there but it sounds to me that this position, the way it was created, is certainly going to allow him to have influence on practices, on coaching, and and certainly to interact with players. Now, I, I don't know if this is his name, but it, it says it is. John Doe um, is asking, what's the vibe like in the Hecht um, so far during the offseason? Uh, I, I guess he, he, he kind of wants to know. You know, with these changes made, is there is there a different feeling from I guess the end of last season to now? I would imagine there has to be. I mean, look, Jared Williams is gone. Um, you have several other players that have left. Uh, the kids right now are very much involved in the uh, in, in in the weight program, the off season conditioning program, uh, with Coach David Feely, and they're in the midst of that. Um, they've changed the offensive coordinator. They have a new offensive line coach. They're going to have a new wide receivers coach very soon. And so, yes, there has to be a completely different vibe on campus. Now, the, the kids are not interacting with the coaching staff very much at all. Um, I think I think the rule is like 10 hours in the offseason, something like that, where I think they can actually have meetings and things of that nature with, 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 with players. Um, but as far as like coaching and all that on the field, going through seven on seven drills like that, the coaches are not out there for that. That's uh, Coach Feely's uh, job. But look, spring football is going to start here at the end of February. I've been told maybe the last day of February. I, I got to get the calendar. I still don't have it in front of me. Um, but so there, it's it's going to certainly start to feel different once they get on the on the practice field together. Um, but how can you not? If you're a player and all of a sudden you got a different offensive coordinator, a new quarterback, new offensive line coach, and a new receivers coach, how are things not going to be different? It has to be different. It has to feel different. And I think, you know, I haven't spoken to any of the, the current players on the team, but I know that whenever they go into the offseason uh, and they start that conditioning program, it's sort of a, a fresh start. It's like hitting the reset button. You know, the kids know, hey, put last year in the past and let go of, you know, kind of the stench of six and seven because it's not going to help us. It's not going to help us move forward. And so that's sort of the mentality of the players. You always hear that from them when they come back from spring football. And I would imagine that's what they're thinking now. So we'll, we'll wrap up with this question. Uh, it's kind of the other big uh, topic surrounding this program that we didn't really get to so far. Mac asks, when do you expect the wide receiver coach hiring uh, to be announced? Well, it's interesting um, because I've been sort of following it um, little by little behind the scenes through different sources and stuff. And, and, and I will say this, Manny Diaz has played this very close to the vest, okay? Um, he is not sharing a lot of information with people, which is why you don't see a lot of reports about it out there because there's not a lot of leaks. 
That said, um, you know, one of the guys who I know um, interviewed for the job, at least over the phone, was Lamar Thomas, a former Hurricane receiver who Canes fans certainly know. Lamar coached at Louisville, Kentucky, um, and he's infamously known for what happened when he was the color analyst during the UMFIU brawl 13 or 14 years ago now when that happened in the Orange Bowl. And so... um, I, Lamar, I was told last night, is not going to get the job um, and that uh, Manny Diaz has, has decided on a wide receiver coach with air raid offense experience. That's what I've heard through the grapevine, um, through, through, through different people um, outside the program who um, obviously have vested interest <laughs> and, and support the program and have good sources. So, And, and, I, and, and I know Lamar is disappointed. Uh, and I know he, he wanted the, the job badly. Um, another guy I know who interviewed for it was, was uh, Coach Cooney, the uh, recruiting coordinator, director of recruiting. Obviously, uh, he wasn't a guy involved with an air raid offense, so he's not getting the job. Now, Kelvin and I last night sort of started to speculate, okay, well, who could, who would sort of fit the bill of a coach who not only um, is experienced with the air raid offense, but also... Uh, recruit South Florida because I think that's obviously an important aspect of this job. And one of the names that came up was Eric Morris, who is the head coach at Incarnate Word. Uh, Eric played at Texas Tech. He's a former receiver, slot receiver, uh, played there from 2004 to 2008, um, and then started got into coaching in 2010, uh, has been a offensive coordinator, obviously has head coaching experience. I passed that name along to some of the sources, guys who – um, might know this, and they said, well, it sure sounds a lot like what we heard uh, Manny Diaz wanted in his wide receivers coach. Now, I don't know that to be sure, for sure. I'm just speculating here uh, as far as names and guys who would fit the bill. Another one uh, that Kelvin and I kicked around a little bit was Jason Phillips. He's uh, a wide receivers coach um, at Utah State. Um, that was another name that we sort of kicked around a little bit as, as a guy who might fit the bill uh, here at Miami. Look, whoever the coach is, may I can tell you this: Manny Diaz and Rhett Lashley have spent a lot of time uh, interviewing guys, talking to guys, doing their homework on this position. And part of the reason they've taken their time is: look, you've, you've already got four recruits on campus, four wide receiver recruits on campus enrolled in January. There's not a whole lot more recruiting that needs to be done, so you don't need a wide receivers coach uh, to go out and do visits and talk to people. Um, I know Miami's been linked to Tariq Black, who's a former uh, Michigan um, wide receiver who I think is transferring. And so um, whoever the wide receivers coach is, once he's hired and and it's announced, he will be on campus. But I I can tell you, at least through what I've been told by a couple different people and sources and people who know Lamar Thomas, that uh, he's not going to be the guy. So that's what I can tell you about the wide receiver coach right now. So I, I think we kind of covered all the uh, the hot topics on this emergency podcast, sort of, you know, <laughs> obviously mainly focused about Ed Reed. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the the wide receiver coach has been, you know, the hole that's been, that's been open the longest. And, and like you said, it's – I guess there was no rush to, to, um, to hire somebody right away. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's more taking your time, making sure it's the right fit. And, um, I mean, especially in a spread offense and Lashley's offense, wide receiver is such a important position. I think they really wanted to make sure they got the right fit. 
Yeah, and ultimately that's what you want. Um, you know, Taylor Stubblefield left for Penn State. I, I, I think I mentioned this on one of the previous podcasts that there was a, a, a player, a former player who didn't play receiver, uh, but was on the team, said, you know, the wide receivers kind of thought he was a little lame. You know, he wasn't a, a guy that I think they respected very much. And that's that's probably not a good thing uh, when you're a coach, right? You, you want the respect of your players. I mean, I think they liked him, but as far as, like, deeply respecting him and thinking, man, he's a great coach, i got to listen to everything he says, uh, I, I think, you know, there was a little bit of a, of a problem with that. Uh, maybe not with all the players, but certainly a couple, especially if this former player was telling me that. Um, that that's sort of how they viewed him. That said, um, whoever Miami gets, they, they need they need the receivers coach to be good because this group has a lot to prove. Um, you know, you've got some talent at the position coming in the door. Michael Redding, I think, is going to be very, very good. Dazlon Warsham uh, was very good in high school. Was a guy who was a high productive guy, but he's got hip it, you know hip issues. He had it, uh, surgery on both of his hips within the last uh, year. Um, you know, I know they picked up uh, the new kid uh, from San Diego that, that everybody's telling me is, is going to be a steal. All these recruiting experts um, think he's going to be good. And uh, and then, um, you know, they got the uh, Braxton Berrios clone, uh, who, who uh, <laughs> I think the local kid uh, receiver uh, from Deerfield Beach High School that they think is going to be great as well. Uh, he was a really positive kid. I, I really like talking to Xavier. We uh, talked quite a bit after he committed, and he, he's sort of a, a leader. So you're getting an injection, four new guys coming in at that receiver position. The kid out of uh, San Diego, by the way, is Kishan Smith. Uh, that, that's, you know, a lot of these recruiting experts like a lot. So you're, you're going to have four new guys. And then, of course, you know, Jeremiah Payton, who was, who was redshirted, he was the number one recruit in last year's class, in the 2019 class. And, you know, I had a former player tell me he, he was absolutely dominating uh, scout team and, um, so five, essentially five new faces at that receiver position that are going to be involved this spring. And we'll see how they push Mike Harley and how they push some of the other returning guys. Uh, do they make them better? Does Mark Pope, you know, take the next step in terms of, um, productiveness and, and, and being a leader? Do you see, uh, more consistency out of a guy like D Wiggins? Does he stop dropping balls? Does he, turn into the weapon that he can be. He's one of the fastest guys on the team, but is he going to play the position the way that it needs to be played? Wide receiver, without question, one of the biggest question marks on the team going into spring football. But there'll be a new receivers coach, and there'll be some new faces, and I think it's a position that is going to improve eventually with time uh, once that new receivers coach can come in and, and have some influence on it. All right, Mike, any last thoughts? So, I mean, I, I think we covered everything. Uh, from Ed Reed to the um, the wide receiver position. Uh, next week, we'll definitely get into more, um, you know, signing day stuff as uh, signing day is on Wednesday. So, you know, any any last guys that sign, we'll we'll get into and maybe we'll get some more news about the uh, the wide receiver coach. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll probably be soon. Probably after we finish this podcast, they're going to send out, hey, we got another uh, Most likely. Fire. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, uh, Mike Zimmerman, uh, as always, for, for your great work. Uh I'm Manny Navarro. The Wide Right Podcast is out. Surge, surge. Kane's cartel coming through. Tell me what these other teams gonna do. Orange or green, on your screen. Hit with a full head of steam.